0: is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Katrina.
1: And I'm Chris, and we're on a mission to help you get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom so you can fulfill your God-given purpose.
0: So if you're ready to get healthy and free so that you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. If you're listening to this, we are going to assume that you find yourself in one or more of these three categories. Either A, you've dieted in the past and maybe you saw success, but eventually, potentially saw that weight come back on. Two, you're currently dieting. So at the Time of this recording, we are sitting here in the month of January. So maybe you are riding the New Year's resolution wave and attempting to eat less or exercise more. You're currently trying to potentially diet. Or you find yourself where you're just frustrated from all the past dieting potentially and you just can't seem to lose the weight. So you're not currently dieting, but you're just like, I don't know what to do. Well, that's why this episode is going to be so vitally important because one of the keys to successful weight loss to sustainable weight loss is that you've got to understand your metabolism. You need to understand how it operates, what it is, and most importantly, how to eat and live in a way that helps to protect your metabolism, care for your metabolism, while also successfully seeing the weight loss. So there's a balance between them. And so what we're going to be talking about today is one of the laws of metabolism. We are going to be talking about the law of metabolic compensation. It's a big word. We're going to get a little sciencey here, but it really is important for you to understand what's going on with your metabolism when you diet. Let's talk about what somebody might be experiencing right in the beginning of a diet, whether the first few days in, the first few weeks in or months in, where we go on a standard typical diet Mm -hmm. of maybe eat less, exercise more, and we're going to start having some things happening in our body and some things that we can't control. So right. what's going on? What are we experiencing?
1: Yeah. Well, again, this is something that if anybody has experienced or has gone through dieting has experienced, but they don't really understand why they're usually what will happen is after a certain amount of time, you'll start having those urges, those like, wow, I, I was able to stay one hundred percent on plan, and I am doing super great. And then all of a sudden, you are like, "Well, I'll." I feel like I could cheat a little bit on this meal, or I can snack a little bit here. Or then all of a sudden, it's like, "Well, I was doing great with workouts. I was nailing all my workouts. Now I am not that motivated to work out. So maybe I'll just I'll just skip a workout here or there." And then this is what starts happening, and we don't understand why, and we just assume that we're just we're, this is just, we're just a failure and this is we just don't how have it's, the willpower. Yeah, we don't have the willpower and we're just not made for this. And we're just, and we end up slowly, the wheels start kind of slowly falling off. And then you get to a point where you just, you start seeing the results start slowing down and then plateauing. And then you, a lot of times, most people end up just giving up and just going back to their old ways.
0: So does any of this sound familiar? Here's what you need to understand is that if you've experienced that with any diet in the past, or you're currently experiencing that with the current way you are eating, you need to understand that this is not your fault. This is what is happening behind the scenes with your metabolism is what's called metabolic compensation. Your body Your metabolism is compensating for the way that you are eating and living Mm -hmm. and it is under stress. Right. So first I want you to know that we went thoroughly in depth on the metabolism, what it is and how it works in episode number 42. So be sure to check out number episode number 42 to get a full understanding of what the metabolism is and how it works. But let's just give them a brief, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, two sentence uh, understanding of what the metabolism is so that we can kind of get into metabolic compensation.
1: The metabolism is like a stress barometer. So what does that mean? A barometer measures pressure in the system. So what the metabolism is constantly measuring is how much stress is on the system. And what we usually don't realize is that we can, we always think that stress is emotional stress, which it is, and that actually, and we've talked about that in future podcasts, that how emotional stress can be a stress on the metabolism. But what we're talking about here is when we do extreme dieting in the wrong way, what kind of stress that creates on the metabolism. So the metabolism is really just doing its job. It's like a survival software in a way, you know, in our, you know, as our ancestors in the situations that they were in, what was the the situations that they were in. They didn't have enough food. So they were constantly looking for food. So our body has these unbelievable protective mechanisms in place, this survival software in place that will force us and try to keep us alive and not to starve. So anytime we're in a our metabolism senses a stress, it's gonna immediately go into what we call the starvation response. And that's what is really what's happening, the the core of what's happening when we talk about metabolic compensation.
0: Now, not all dieting is stressful to metabolism. No. We have some that could, you know, definitely work and people can see results from them. It's the extreme dieting that Mm -hmm. we're talking about that really begins to stress our system negatively. And so when we say extreme, like what kind of extreme dieting are we talking about? Well, we're talking about where you just maybe pick a calorie app to track your calories and you just maybe put in your weight and it gives, it spits out a number and, and it's maybe it's like 1200 calories, but you're 200 pounds and it spits out 1200 calories. And then, oh, guess what? You get to eat more calories when you quote unquote exercise. Right. Right. And so, um, there's that. There's packaged meals that you get delivered to your home, and maybe that's putting giving you like eight hundred, a 1,200 right. calories. Well, is that right? Is that is that too extreme for you and your unique body? Or I think about people who do intermittent fasting and they just completely skip a whole meal, maybe just taking five hundred calories mm-hmm. out of their out of their uh, day. And and intermittent fasting can be very healthy, but right. done incorrectly, it can be very, very harmful. I know that some will only eat maybe one meal a day and that can get us into trouble really quickly. And so when we say extreme dieting, we're talking about this calorie deficit that is large. Yeah,
1: well, again, we need a calorie deficit by definition in order to lose weight, meaning you have to burn more calories than you're taking in in order for your body to tap into your, your fat stores in order to burn fat and actually lose weight. So you definitely do need a calorie deficit. That's, we're not saying that you don't need that. The issue is, is that most people are not, they don't understand how, how drastic is too drastic. For instance, like say, if you're say 200 pounds and you decide that you, like you said, you're going to go onto one of these uh, like prepackaged meal systems where It's not even taking into consideration how, how heavy you are. Cause when we use in our programs, we, one way to kind of at least get a ballpark of how many calories you need to be eating is based off of your body weight. So it's not accurate, not fully accurate, but it's at least a good starting point. Well, if you are taking in, say you're 200 pounds and then you go on one of these plans where you're only bringing in a thousand calories, or, I mean, we've, heard of things that are even down to like 800 calories. Um, Now you're creating, if you think about that, like you, you possibly could be eating or should be eating up to close to 2000 calories. And now you're only bringing in 800. So you think that's an 1000 to 1200 calorie deficit that we're talking about here. Those are the type of things that what we're talking about. what well, that's an extreme, anything over about 500 calories of a deficit, meaning what you sh- what your maintenance calories is, like how many calories you need to be bringing in to just maintain your weight. If you're eating more than 500 less than that in a day, that would be considered an extreme diet. So that will cause that triggering effect of the survival software to kick in and go, whoa, this is, we're, we could die if we keep doing this and we're gonna force you to fix this.
0: Right. Right. And it's, you know, it's so hard because these, you know, these ideas of um, how many calories we should be eating, quote unquote, should be eating. They're so rooted, like sometimes even decades ago, right? So yeah. I mean even decades ago, when you and I went to school and we sat in nutrition class, like one of the things that we learned, you in PT school, me in, in, uh, as an, in, in nursing school, it was one of those where it's like 500 calorie deficit, you will lose one pound per, right. per week. And it's like, oh, if only that was so right. simple, right. And
1: well, then after a certain amount of months and years, you would actually like disappear.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Would just lose all your weight.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So shockingly, that's not how it works.
0: So the typical diet approach, eat less exercise more. Right. We talked about that in depth in episode number 46, which was on dieting and the metabolism. Right. And so we go into that, but, you know, so definitely refer back to that and take a listen, but we can sustain that for a little bit of right. time, right? Yeah. So somebody can go into a 500 to 800 yeah. calorie deficit for a short period Very of time. Short,
1: like a sprint. They call so them like diet what? sprints. So like
0: what, one week, two, two weeks,
1: weeks. Yeah. maybe, at, yeah. you know,
0: and maybe into the third, but really what's, things are gonna start falling off yeah. in our bodies and wheels are gonna start falling off with our dieting and our attempts to diet um, because we can't sustain it. No. And this is- Again, not our fault, but it's because your your metabolism is compensating. So we are going to talk about the specifics of how the metabolism compensates in just a little bit here. But can you first elaborate on what we mean when we say calorie deficit?
1: Yeah, because um, the way way it's in the literature, we really talk about it as a calories in calories out model. And so what does that mean? So in order to create a deficit, we need to have a gap, right? So we talked about that. One of the problems is that we create too big of a gap, but so in order to create a gap, you either have to, you have to look at what's coming in and what's coming out. So calories in obviously means how much energy you're bringing in. So think about calories that you eat are actually energy so those are kind of interchangeable so when you say calories in calories out or energy in and energy out so because what we eat eventually gets burned and turned into or broken down and turned into energy so calories in is how much you're actually taking in during the day okay and we're gonna talk about how the metabolism compensates for that, but the calories out is actually what energy you're burning throughout the day, okay? So again, it's the calories in versus the calories out or the energy in, energy out. That's gonna, you need to understand that those are kind of the two components of the metabolism in a way, so that that's how you're gonna actually create an actual deficit because it's it's the d- difference between what's coming in and what's going out.
0: So there are two components to metabolic compensation. First, there's the compensation of energy output. And second, there's the compensation of energy input. So we're gonna start with the energy out and how your metabolism is going to compensate if there's too large of a calorie or energy gap. So how does our metabolism then alter the energy output when it's, when it's compensated?
1: Yeah. So before we get into the, how it actually compensates, what we want to look at is how is our metabolism actually burning calories or burning energy? Okay. Because there's what we like to say there's like different buckets where our metabolism, how our metabolism is using the energy that's bringing in. So when we look at people have probably maybe have played around with calculators and things there's ways to calculate how many how many calories you're going to burn in a day okay and the total calories that you're going to burn in a day the technical term is tdee which stands for total daily energy Expenditures, meaning how much energy you're going to burn throughout the day, just doing your day-to-day things, whether, whether you exercise, whether you don't, whether you move around or you don't, how much you sleep, all the things, how much you eat, actually we'll talk about plays a role in that. So total daily energy expenditure is how many calories you burn throughout the whole day. Okay, so but that big number is actually broken down into kind of subcategories, and we're gonna I'm gonna talk briefly about those just because they 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 become important when we talk about where our body starts compensating. So, um, the first big chunk of the metabolism is what you, is called your basal metabolic rate. There's a couple different names for that, but that's kind of basically the. Um, the amount of energy that's needed just to sustain life. So the way they measure that is they will have you just lay down. Uh, you're not sleeping, but you're laying down, and they're measuring. They have you hooked up to an apparatus, and they're just measuring how many calories your body's burning just to actually sustain life. So because again, you need you need energy just to use for your brain, for your heart, for your lungs. You know, all your organs need energy just to function. So. And what's crazy is that's actually a big chunk of what our body is using throughout the day is just to keep us alive. So that's actually 60 to 70% of our uh, total energy expenditure is just to kind of sustain life, which is a big chunk, okay? But um, that is actually really based off of your, a lot of that is based off of how big you are, how much total body mass you have, okay? Because so a bigger person actually has, a bigger number of basal metabolic rates because you have more tissue that is needed to, you know, your heart's bigger, like everything's bigger. So you need to use more energy to be able to sustain life when it comes to based on your weight. So what happens there is that when we diet and we do lose weight, then by default, technically, your basal metabolic rate should go down, right? Because you have there's less of you. So if there's less of you, then your basal metabolic rate will just by, by definition should go down, which that's normal. However, what they see in the literature is that when you do extreme diets, they'll see that basal metabolic rate drop, but what happens is it drops actually up to 15% more than what you would think it should be. So meaning, so say you get down to 150 pounds um, and you, so you should basically have almost the same base. Everybody's going to be different, but to an extent you should be somewhat similar to the other person that weighs 150 pounds. Well, if you're a person that had to diet down to 150 pounds versus somebody who is just naturally at 150 pounds, they see that the person that dieted down actually has a lower bent, basal metabolic rate than the person that was naturally at 150 pounds, which is pretty crazy. But it's, it's, uh, again, it's a kind of a survival mechanism. It's a way that your body's like, okay, well, we just went in through a pretty big starvation period. So we're going to ratchet down. So it basically gets more efficient with everything it does, which is crazy. So, um, so cause you still have a heart, you still have, you know, a brain. So you would think you would need the same amount of energy, but it's a way that our bodies just gets more efficient at burning calories so that it's like, okay, well, just in case we go into this famine situation again, we're going to be in a better situation because we're not going to need as much. So that right off the bat, that's where, you know, they've done studies on like the biggest loser participants where they've they seen drastic changes in their basal, basal metabolic rate, even years after the, after the show, because of how much dra- how drastically they, how much weight they lost, but also how aggressively they lost and how fast they lost it. And then uh, some of that, that actual slowdown can actually be permanent. So they've shown that, that that some you can regain some of that back but there are points even up to like 5ish percent maybe that is like not recoverable because it's just your body's like that's my new set point and I'm just going with it so um so right off the bat that's that, and that's a big chunk because again basal metabolic basal metabolic rate is like 67 60 to 70% of your total daily energy expenditure so if you drop that down by 15% that's a big big difference Okay. So again, right off the bat, you are burning less just to, just to stay alive, which is pretty crazy. So, um, so basal metabolic rate is the big chunk of how your metabolism burns calories, but there's other components to it. Um, and one of the next big, um, the next big components is what we call NEAT, which is, which sounds weird, like what does NEAT mean? But NEAT stands for Non-Exercise Activity Thermogenesis. All that means is a a big fancy term, but basically that means is all the things you do to all your day-to-day activities, all your um, things like just how much you're walking around, how much you stand, how much even like how much you move around even when you sleep. Um, One of the big things is fidgeting. Um, moving your hands when you talk, like if you're a, a talker that uses your hands a lot, um, those are all. I mean, you think about that. That all, even though they seem pretty small, it all adds up because you're you're using your muscles and you're you're burning calories because of it. So that actually makes up close to 15 to 20 percent of your daily energy expenditure, which is again a pretty big chunk. So what they see in this is where they'll see a big compensation happen in literature where um, when people go on to extreme diets, one of the ways their metabolism will try to compensate is by really knocking down the amount of meat that you do throughout the day. So um, they can actually see that you can actually burn less, like about 500 calories less than you would normally burn because of this compensation. And how, like, how does that work? It basically means that you just, even subconsciously won't move as much so you will use, you you'll actually use your hands less when you talk and you don't really realize you're doing that you're fidget less you'll move around less you'll stand less you'll you'll catch yourself sitting more um, you'll even let move less when you're sleeping which is crazy um, so your body's like okay well you know we need to we need to compensate we need to conserve energy so we're gonna ratchet all this down and you don't even know what happens so you're like great, I'm making all this progress. I'm creating this big calorie deficit. I'm just going to see all this weight loss. And then all of a sudden you're like, huh, why did all of a sudden this kind of start slowing down? It's like, well, if, if, if your body can compensate up to 500 calories, that could basically right there wipe out a majority of your calorie deficit because now you're just burning less throughout the day. So, and you don't even realize you're doing it. So it's, um, it's an amazing compensation piece that our bodies will do because. Um, it's just, it's a survival.
0: So will we essentially feel less energetic then?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, our energy we'll will decrease that. as yeah. we, as we diet into large of a calorie deficit. Yeah.
1: And then you see, and then, and we'll talk about it with the, um, with the calories inside too. But, um, but yeah, your energy will drop. You'll, st- and we'll start, we'll talk about um, exercise here soon, but you know, then you'll start having less motivation to even exercise. And you're like, well, I'm just, you know, I just don't have willpower. I should be able to push through this. But it's, again, you're, 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 we like to say you're kind of playing tug of war against your metabolism and you're playing against somebody that's way stronger than you. (laughs) You're going to lose. Yeah. And another component of the metabolism is what's called TEF, which is the thermal effect of food. And we're not going to get in too much into this, um, but it's just a nugget for people to understand is that different types of food you eat actually cause your body to burn calories just to break the food down. So, just because you eat a certain amount of calories of food doesn't necessarily mean that your body will eventually get all that because your body actually needs to use some energy to actually break the food down to get the energy out. So that's called thermal effective food. And that's about 10 to 15% of your daily energy expenditure. So it's not huge. Um, and it's really not something that really compensates that much during- Because uh, during,
0: digestion is essential. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it might change a little bit just because you're eating less you know so there's overall less food so you're going to it will probably go down in total but it when you in the grand scheme of things it's a small amount so just just to talk about it is protein is the highest has the highest thermal effect of food so about 20 to 30% of the, the protein you eat actually gets broken down of energy just to be able to get the energy out of the protein so if you eat 100 calories of protein you may only get 70 to 80 calories um to actually, that your body will actually absorb. So that's the biggest one. Again, it sounds kind of big, but when you really look at it, when you really work out the numbers, it doesn't doesn't really equate to. It doesn't move the needle that much. Um, carbs is about six to eight percent, so you lose about six to eight percent of the carbs that you eat, and then fat is the smallest, where you lose only two to three percent. So as the lowest thermal effect of food, but that's just another component to how our body burns calories throughout the day.
0: Okay. So one more piece when it comes to energy output, and that's on the topic of exercise. Mm -hmm. Now we've talked about exercise a lot and how most dieters, when we think about exercise, we've thought about it the wrong way. We think that it's going to burn a huge amount of calories and that's, what's going to create the calorie deficit. And I mean, we get on the elliptical, we do 30 minutes Mm -hmm. on the elliptical, we get off and it's like 720 calories burned. And you're like, yes, that means I can eat a donut and I've and I have a calorie deficit. Win-win. Right. Win-win. So, but it's not the truth. And we've no. talked about this before, where exercise is not as big of a, of a needle mover when it comes to energy output. No. So let's talk about it.
1: No, because exercise, um, which is actually called EAT, which is sounds kind of weird, but it's exercise associated thermogenesis. Um, that only makes up about 5% of our daily energy expenditure. So you think about movement is 15 to 20%. But exercise is only 5%. So right off the bat, you look at it and go, well, wow, we've always thought that exercise was the main way that I'm going to burn calories. Well, right there, it shows that our body does not, we just, exercise is not as big of a calorie burner than we actually think. There's so many other great benefits that we've talked about, about exercise when it comes to health markers and longevity. And it's an amazing activity, but I, we've kind of looked at it the wrong way because. We think exercise is just a almost like a punishment to just try to physically burn calories so that we can get weight off of our bodies. And it's just uh, just a philosophy that's completely flawed and we really just have to kind of constantly change people's thought process around that. But um, But what can happen with the metabolism is that you will, like we said, you will actually become less motivated to exercise. So you're gonna start battling that and that's where people will feel That like, I was really solid going to the gym for two to three weeks. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm really kind of tired and I I probably should just sleep in tomorrow and I'm not feeling great. So I'm just going to skip that workout. And the next thing you know, you're starting to skip multiple workouts and then you get frustrated and you're like, well, I should have, I should be able to push through this. And you don't understand that our metabolism is doing things behind the scenes to make you less motivated to actually do it again. Cause it's trying to conserve energy because it's thinking we're not bringing enough energy in. So right now, what can we do? We can try to force them to not burn as much Okay, so to try to alter that side of the equation. And also what happens too is the amount of calories you do burn as you exercise will actually become less (laughs) because our body will become more efficient at actually doing that activity. So just because you get on the treadmill or get on the elliptical every day, if you do that two to three times a week for years and you see that number, that you know, that arbitrary number that the, the, um, the treadmill or the elliptical spits out at you. Don't look at that. That, that, that has that, that machine has no idea what your body's doing. So, cause again, your body will actually get more efficient and you'll actually burn less. It constrains the amount of energy that you're going to burn. So again, you think you're burning seven, 800 calories. It's, you're probably not close to that. So, um, because again, you're, you would just, you would basically wilter away to nothing if you just continue to just continue to burn calories. Your body's going to have to, your, again, your metabolism's job is to keep you alive. And uh, that's one of the ways it's going to do that.
0: So we talk a lot ab- more about exercise in a couple of podcast episodes. So in episode number 25, we talk about the three exercise mistakes to avoid, and we go into a lot more detail on mm-hmm. exercise specifically and how to really look at it in a more healthy way. And then in episode number 36, we talk about why movement is more important than exercise, where, again, we take this concept of this energy output and really go to uh, go into much more depth. And so if you're I definitely encourage you to check both episode number 25 and 36 out. Okay, so the three ways that you talked about where our metabolism alters the energy output is through our basal metabolic rate our BMR. Are neat, so that's going to be all of the movement and other things that we do throughout our day. Mm-hmm. And then we also have exercise. So those are really the three big biggest movers of our energy output. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how the metabolism will compensate uh, all of those areas in a way to make sure that we are are conserving energy. Yeah. If our demand or if our input is not going to be as high. So now let's talk about how our metabolism compensates with energy input so mm-hmm. the energy and the calories that we're eating in so how does our body uh, compensate our metabolism compensate when we are in that type of a, uh, environment
1: yeah so we talked about how it's stop it's trying to restrict the amount of calories that are going out but now the opposite end of the spectrum is now we're gonna our body's gonna now push us to bring in more calories into the system because again we're trying to create your body's trying to get back into balance. So it's trying to bridge that gap and it's trying to squeeze that, that deficit down. So, so it's trying to, on this side of the equation, it's going to try to make you eat more. So how does that do that? Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hormonal um, activity that happens behind the scenes that again, you don't understand, you don't know that it's happening. It's all flying under the radar and there your body's job is like okay well we're only bringing in this amount of calories this much energy and we're putting out this significantly more amount so let's see if we can drive him or her to bring in more so the way we bring in more is by eating more so we like to say there's a there's a way to kind of look at your hormones in a way and even if you don't understand hormones you don't know all the different names because there there can be there's a lot of, a lot of hormones in there, a lot of complicated names and it. We don't need to get into all of that. But one of the things we like to use is your hunger, your energy, and your cravings. We like to say it's called heck. So hunger. So what your body will do is your body will now start to make you more hungry. So you will get less satisfied by certain meals because your body's like, okay, well, if, if I can make her more hungry, then by default, she's going to, it's probably going to force her to eat more. So hormones that would normally kick in to your brain that would actually tell your brain that you're full are actually can be blocked. So you actually will eat the same type of foods. And all of a sudden, instead of you feeling fairly full and satisfied for three or four hours, you might be, well, like now I'm after two hours, I'm almost like ready to, you know, eat my arm off because I'm so hungry. Why is that? Again, it's hormonally things are happening behind the scenes that are pushing you in a different, in any different way it possibly can to push you to eat more. And then what do we do? We get frustrated or we're like, you know, I should be able to white knuckle this. And then you just try to, you try to use willpower to get through it. And then usually you end up giving in again, because you're playing tug of war against a bigger person and you usually lose. So, so hormones are one are trying to drive you to just overall eat more. So it's like, okay, well, let's just try to get as many, whatever we can get them to eat, let's just get them to eat something so that we can bring in more food and more energy into the system. So your hunger will definitely go up. The other thing is your cravings will go up. So cravings where you're like, where you're not going to usually crave very low calorie high nutrient dense foods we're like not craving kinda,
0: apples and kale
1: no no most people understand maybe there might be some outliers that will actually uh crave kale but usually it's again it's it the reason why you're going to increase your cravings is because we end up having more cravings for Highly palatable, highly calorie-dense foods. So, you know things like ice cream, cookies, things like that, where you're gonna you're gonna eat it, and it's a small. It could be a small amount, but you're bringing in a lot of calories with it. So it has it brings a lot of a big bang for your buck because when you eat that, you're bringing in a lot more calories, and then a lot of it has to do with stress hormones like cortisol because your um, that. Calorie deficit that we've created is actually like we talked about the metabolism as a stress barometer. So it it registers that as a stress, and one of the things it does is it ratchets it up your your cortisol levels, and then your cortisol levels will when they're elevated, they're going to drive you to eat sugary, highly calorie, fat dense foods so that we can get like I said, most bang for our buck when we eat. Because if we if we reach for things like spinach. That's not going to really move the needles. Your body's like, well, I don't need spinach right now. I need, you know, I need ice cream. (laughs) So that's why, you know, at at the end of the day, when you've created this massive calorie deficit and you're like, I was quote unquote perfect throughout the day. I exercised, I ate hardly anything. And then it's like, why can't I control myself at night? you know because this is where this is where things really get tough and and a lot of that is the fact that our body is using hormones in a way to drive us to eat more to have the cravings for the to the, for the calorie dense foods. So, right.
0: so at the end of a stressful day, we want to sit on the couch, watch, watch Netflix yeah. and eat pizza. Yeah. yeah.
1: Because that goes into the energy side of the equation because now you're like even less motivated to do anything, especially if you try to, especially if you waited to do your exercise at the end of the day, because then you're like, well, I don't really have anything left in the tank to do this. So And all I want to do is just sit on the couch. So you literally will just sit on the couch. Sometimes you're even like, I'm just not even that motivated to get up to even do anything. So um, if the remote control is out of the way, you you might not even get up to change the channel because you're like, I'll just watch this because I'm just too tired to actually even get up.
0: Yeah, and I just want to take a side note here because I think that, you know, I'm thinking about our students that we serve inside our Metabolic Reboot program. And a lot of them come to us for help with weight loss and helping to uh, just really heal their metabolism so they can see the results that they're after and just live a better, healthier life. And one of the things that we'll often see is that they'll come to us with hunger, with energy and craving issues, and uh, they're not even currently dieting. And so a lot of times, like you might not be, you who are listening here might not be in a position where you are currently dieting, but maybe you've been a former dieter and so you have um, diet mentality that still hangs with you. So diet rules and what have you. So maybe you feel like you're good for breakfast, good for lunch, good for dinner, but then you just like binge all night long, right? Because you have, you feel like you don't have any willpower and it's just a habit and you're, you know, you're just so down on yourself on these things. And oftentimes what we find is that our chronic, former chronic dieters that come to us often are not actually eating enough calories during the day. So they're quote unquote good breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But when you really look at what they're actually eating, it's actually not enough calories really to sustain their daily functioning and living. And so you're you're like- you know, Chris was saying, your brain is going to, and your metabolism is going to then uh, be able to assess your overall daily um, calories in or your overall weekly calories. And it doesn't even need to just stick to a day. It can even stick to a week. Um, So those of you who are like, I'm good Monday through Friday and then binge all week, and I'm talking to you as well. And, you know, this is, we can get into the situation where, uh, there's no way we're going to be able to overcome this this nighttime binge eating situation if we are not bringing in enough calories during the day. And so even though you might not currently be dieting, your former diet life has created an environment where you are still technically dieting. And so um, we've got to begin to unravel that and uh, and work towards Undieting, and so oftentimes that actually means increasing calories yeah. during our day, um, and especially in the place of protein. Because
1: right. protein, not only just yeah, calories, protein is one of the key
0: macronutrients that we add in, especially in the beginning of somebody's uh, yeah. journey and work with us. So, all right, so in this episode, we really wanted to share with you what metabolic compensation is is so that you can understand what happens to your body and in your metabolism when you choose to diet or go into a calorie restricted state where you have a gap between calorie input versus calorie output. And then we did dive into how our metabolism alters the energy output and also the input based upon what we are doing with our activity or our input. And so we really wanted to just kind of Just frame up what metabolic compensation is so that you can truly understand. And so, we just want to just highlight a few takeaways for you. So, we got three takeaways for you in this episode. And that is one is like we've talked about calories. And, you know, if your goal is weight loss, calorie deficit is required in order to lose weight. Mm -hmm. However, the traditional standard diet is to give you just a random, X amount of calories, but is that right for you? Is that too little? Is that not enough? So usually the question is, well then you know, well then how many calories should I be eating? And so I think what we need to understand, I hope you understood in here, it's going to be unique to you. It's going to be mm-hmm. based upon your diet history, your current state of health, your age, your hormonal state. There's all sorts of things that go into what is the right amount of calories for you for maintenance. If you just wanted to stay where you are, wow. what calorie, how, how, many, how many calories would you need to stay at maintenance? And then so if you want to lose weight, then the goal is that you have a calorie deficit, but it can't be a large deficit. It right. can't be too much. It needs to be just right. This Goldilocks zone of a calorie deficit. And so it's going to be unique to you. And that is something, this is why it's not, we're not going to give somebody a random, I think you should start here. Because we really need to do that in a controlled environment. So in our Metabolic Reboot group coaching program, we actually start our students off with a a set amount of calories. If they are wanting to do calories, if they need to do calories, we give them a set amount of calories. And then we begin to hold their hand over the next several weeks to identify their unique calorie amount, that it's not too large of a deficit that they're able to see results, keeping heck in check and um, continuing the journey. But I do just wanna preface is that is that when we start working with students, we actually don't have them count calories. So if you're afraid of counting calories, I just wanna share up front that we could actually do this intuitively as well. And that's the first thing we teach inside our program is how to eat intuitively, create a calorie gap that's not too big and stay satisfied, full without cravings and lots of energy. So that's really our goal inside Metabolic Reboot. And so if you are interested, that brings us to takeaway number two, is that if you would love our help with just... Mastering your metabolism with helping to not only understand further how your metabolism works, but most importantly, begin to heal your metabolism, bring it back to a state of balance so that you can see the results that you are after. Weight loss, more energy, better sleep, better moods, all of those things are possible with a healthy metabolism. I'd like to invite you to join us inside our next Metabolic Reboot program and we do not have a launch date for our next group that will be opening but if you'd like to know when we open it and you want to find out more information about it and potentially join us then be sure to go to healthyfreelife.com forward slash reboot again healthyfreelife.com forward slash reboot to join our waitlist. And the third takeaway is we really want to leave you with a tangible tip to walk away with, something that can impact your metabolism in a positive way. So what is that?
1: Well, if we look at how the metabolism compensates, and we talked about the big, one of the big drivers that we actually have control over is our NEAT, which is our non-exercise activity during the day. So we talked about that that's one of the big places where our body and our metabolism will compensate when we're on a deficit. So we really need to be aware and diligent in keeping our activity level up throughout the day. So what does that look like? That means really being aware of how much you're standing, how much versus how much you're sitting and really how much just overall movement you're doing throughout the day. So if you don't have a way to measure your steps we highly recommend you get some version of a device that you can use whether it's a very inexpensive pedometer or a you know a Fitbit or an app on apple, your phone yeah an app on your phone your apple watch if you have it just really being aware of really what your baseline is and then really making sure if you're going into a weight loss scenario there Knowing that this is a place where your body will compensate, making sure you're at least maintaining your normal amount and if not adding more.
0: And regardless of whether you are wanting to lose weight or not, we are we all need to make sure that we are moving. And so we, yeah. t- we talk more about this in episode number 36, why movement is more important than exercise. And we give you our goals for, for movement. How many steps should you take? What does nourishing movement look like? Mm-hmm. And and what does movement look like throughout our our day? Because listen, it's not just about weight loss. It's really about longevity. It's about yeah. our health. Because if we don't move it, we will yeah. lose there it. There
1: are a lot of studies to that tie uh, longevity in with how much, how many, just even just how many steps you get in in a day. So, right, yeah.
0: which is why movement is one of the seven habits of a healthy, free life. And it just so happens that this month inside our Healthy Free Life Academy, we are working on the habit of movement. So if you're not a mover, the academy is the place that you probably want to be to help work on those habits. And now let me leave you with this from Hebrews 12, 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Until next time, bye for now.